0: I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at IKAR in Los Angeles, and together we're going to study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. Now, you can't play favorites with the five books of the Torah. It's really all about how they come together, these five distinct books with five distinct styles, to form this bigger and more magnificent thing that is the Torah. The Chumash, we sometimes call it, which refers to the five-fifths of the Torah, Hamisha Chum Torah. But if I had to pick a favorite fifth, a favorite book, if someone asked me, I think I'd say it was the fourth book, the Book of Numbers, which we begin reading this week. Now this is probably just me trying to sound cool, because you can't really say that the Book of Numbers is better than the mythic drama of Genesis or the epic majesty that is Exodus. It's more like being into the indie band that plays in the small club instead of the number one hit stadium act that everybody loves. Because Numbers has a style all its own. It's the darkest, strangest book in the Torah the one that most reads like it could have been written by Kafka. And though there are certainly wild and crazy stories throughout the Torah, the Book of Numbers consistently delivers some of the weirdest, most savage and disturbing tales of them all. Some of the highlights include a mutiny to overthrow Moses, the deaths of Miriam and Aaron, a dispatch of spies that ends in disaster, open rebellion met with zealous acts of violence, all kinds of mysterious rituals that look a lot like sorcery and, let's not forget, a talking donkey. But for all its oddities, the Book of Numbers opens with a very mundane event, a census. In fact, that's where we get the name Numbers, because God orders the counting of the people listed by tribe. So that name of the book, like the procedure, is about details, ordering, caution, It's not such an exciting start to what I'm calling the wildest book of the Bible. But then, the Hebrew name is totally different, and it hints more strongly at what's to come. The name is taken, as is the custom, from a word in the first sentence, bemidbar. Uh, There's actually some debate over how to pronounce the name of the book, is it bemidbar or bamidbar, but that's a grammatical issue. The meaning of the word bamidbar is in the desert, or really more correctly, in the wilderness, since their wilderness was a desert. Dr. Erica Brown put it very well in her book on on the Book of Numbers called Leadership in the Wilderness, where she points out the diametrically opposed meanings of the Hebrew and English names of the book. She says, numbers ground leaders in reality, but wilderness, midbar, defies all that the word numbers signifies. One book has two titles that wrestle each other and reveal two contradictory faces of the biblical text, order, anarchy. So today, I wanna focus on the original name and on the anarchy. I want to share with you three incredible midrashim, rabbinic interpretations, that try to explain the name in the wilderness and suggest how it might frame the way we read the rest of this book. The first, and maybe the most challenging of the three, comes from Midrash Tanhuma, And here, it's helpful to keep the translation in the desert. so. Lama b'midbar sinai, why is it called b'midbar, in the desert? To tell you that anyone who's not willing to make themselves void, like the desert, hefker ka'midbar, cannot acquire the Torah. The word I translated here as void is a tricky one. The Hebrew hefker usually refers to property and it technically means ownerless or up for grabs. But to make yourself Hefker implies some kind of total surrender, an annihilation of the self. The idea here seems to be that unless you're willing to be completely empty, to let everything go, you can't expect to be able to receive divine wisdom. This posture of self-denial has its cousins in the pantheon of spiritual traditions. One thinks of the concept of emptiness in Buddhism, for example. But why here? What is it about the Torah that requires such an extreme renunciation of self? Maybe there's some kind of answer in our second Midrash on the meaning of Bamidbar. This one from Psikta Kahana. Why Bamidbar? Because just as this wilderness is endless, so too the Torah has no end. As it says in the Book of Job, its measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. In this reading, the wilderness they are wandering through is the Torah itself. And the Torah is infinite, Ein La sof, so they could easily wander in it forever. The vastness of the Torah, perhaps, explains why it demands that the self be diminished. How can I take in something so unfathomably expansive if I am completely full of myself. Or maybe it's simply that I have to become like the Torah, wild and open and free. If I'm rigid and scared, I'll never make it in the wild. I have to cultivate a a wilderness or a wildness inside of me in order to be compatible with the wilderness outside. What's so striking about this imagery, though, is that the Torah seems to have a dangerous element to it. There's something savage and untamed about it. You could get lost in it, could even die in it, if you don't have your wits about you. But if you think that's a frightening thought, wait until you hear the third and last midrash in our tour. This one is from Bamidbar Rabbah, It's quite beautiful, but with some terrifying overtones. And again, it plays on the language of wilderness. This is like what is written in Deuteronomy, God found them in a desert land in the chaos of a howling wilderness. God found them in a desert land for the world was a vast desert until the Israelites went forth from Egypt. In the chaos of a howling wilderness for the world was chaos and darkness before the Israelites went forth from Egypt and before they had received the Torah. The Midrash here starts by tackling a technical question. How can that verse in Deuteronomy say that God found Israel in a desert land? That's not right. God found them in Egypt, which was a lush, fertile country. They only went into the desert afterwards. The answer? The verse must mean that In a sense, back then, the whole world was a desert. Not literally, of course, but the world was immersed in chaos, violence, and terror before God stepped in and delivered us and then offered the Torah as a map to find our way through the wilderness. Now, the purely positive way to read this is, oh, how nice, God saved us and then gave us this wonderful book which is going to solve everything from now on. But lurking beneath that sugar-coated surface is a blood-curdling picture of the world. Chaos, darkness, a vast and unpredictable wilderness filled with danger and cruelty. And so, here in the book of Numbers, the wanderings of the children of Israel through the desert are really about their journey into the world itself. A strange and savage world, full of danger and suffering. And sure, on one level, the comfort in all that is that we have the Torah as a guide. It will not only help us navigate our path through the wild, but maybe, the Midrash seems to suggest, it will be able to fix the world itself. But remember the first two Midrashim we looked at. In one, the Torah was the wilderness, and in the other, we were to become like the wilderness. If these images are part of the picture, then the wildness is not just in the world, but in the Torah and in ourselves. And in that case, the journey through the desert in Bamidbar is a journey through our own savage humanity, the dark and sinister parts of ourselves. And this is exactly what we see play out in the Book of Numbers. The Israelites don't just face external dangers, their greatest challenges lie in the chaos they find amongst themselves and within themselves. And again, maybe the wisdom of the Torah will provide some guidance through all of their tragic drama. If we think the Torah can fix the world, maybe she can cure the sickness in our souls as well. But it won't be so simple because the Torah is also wild and unpredictable. The Torah, like the world she speaks to and the people who study her, is shot through with streaks of darkness and danger. Indeed, that's what the Book of Numbers, Bamidbar, is all about. So strap in folks, it's going to be a wild ride. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom. And our theme song is Pete by Hillel Tigay. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever if you haven't already? If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ikar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot and see you next week.